0: Hello, this is Joanne Dennison and welcome to episode three of the podcast, Sit in the Attendee's Chair, focusing on meetings, events, and hospitality. Thanks for joining us. Um, if you've heard the first two episodes, you'll learn this is a work in progress, and we have chosen to keep it a work in progress. Uh, progress is one thing, work in progress is another thing. Uh, we are choosing not to edit it Uh, this fits my personality Um, I feel uh, everything isn't perfect and it neither am I and I'm pretty comfortable with that so uh, in this particular episode the last two I've had uh, episode 2 I had a guest um, Kim Copperthwaite CMP and thank you Kim DES she's also a DES Uh, thank you so much for being part of episode 2 but today you get me, although also in the studio, we have... Kelly. And Kelly, what are you doing here?
1: Um, so I'm just handling mainly the recording board. i um, still learning a lot, just um, doing the voices and sounds, kind of making sure everything sounds right. But, um, yeah. <laughs>
0: she's, she's doing a great job. I still haven't touched the control board, um, but, uh, yeah, she's... Um, She's learning a lot, and she says she's actually found our conversations interesting on this, so hopefully she's not just saying that to make me feel good. (laughs) they (laughs) are interesting. (laughs) And uh, Kelly is is part of our troupe, so glad to have her here and also in the studio.
2: Oh, it's great being Steve the Great. Mm. Yes,
0: it is. Uh, So uh, if, if you all don't know who Steve the Great is, you'll eventually piece it together. Anyone who's been in especially my virtual classes that started uh, in May 2020, know who Steve the Great is.
2: It's great Uh, knowing Steve the Great.
0: Are you telling me that, or just as a reflection, or you're telling everyone that? Everyone. Oh, so now they all know, and now it's great for them to know. Okay, anyway, so I um, decided to uh, talk today You know, one of the running jokes about me, and it's been around for years and it just seems to be getting more intense, is the whole concept of hearing my voice in your head. And this actually started pre-videos, pre-virtual classes. Uh, the first time I heard someone uh, say that to me was, I remember I was in... Uh, Montreal, uh, WEC, I'm guessing that year was around 2016, 2017. No, um, no, let's try that again. Drop off 10 years, 2006, 2007. And uh, back then, the CMP exam was only given twice a year, one winter date, one summer date. And the summer date always corresponded with MPI's WEC. And... uh, I was involved for many years teaching a class the day before that exam, what was then called, like, the boot camp or whatever, uh, because there were so many. The largest testing site was at WEC when you still took it face-to-face. And, um, anyway, I, I had taught my class that day uh, with my co-teacher, Carol, and I came down that night to go to dinner, and I ran into someone who had been in my class during the day, and she stopped to talk to me, and about that time, some of my students from my then New Jersey classes, because I was only teaching it really in New Jersey at that point, uh, they came down, they all saw me, they came over, and, you know, I was telling them, okay, this person's taking it tomorrow, you know, send her, you know, support her, cheer her on, all that kind of thing. And they all started talking, and really what they started talking about once they finished talking about the exam was talking about me, and which it can you know, be a little weird at times, and um, someone, and I don't know who it was, <coughs> excuse me, said, oh, you'll hear her voice in your head while you're taking the exam. And I said, what? And they all went, oh, yeah, 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 when we're in the exam, we could all hear you talking. You were in our head. You know, we were remembering everything we talked about in class, and everything i said you got to be kidding me like i've never heard this and at that point i'd probably been teaching it about mm, five six seven years and they're like oh yeah definitely and i said wow i said well i hope it goes away then after you do the exam someone goes oh no 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 i i hear you in my office you know even when i'm sitting at work i hear your voice and um are you trying to say something steve
2: I was just going to say there's no defense against this. I have wrapped my head in (laughs) tinfoil, and I still hear it.
0: For those of you who may not know, Steve the Great and I live together. So anyway, I was just shocked because no one had ever said this. Well, it turns out that this is maybe not a universal thing, but it's now become a running joke, and of course – uh, some of you know, I created videos starting in, uh, about 2015 that run on YouTube and uh, people who never even met me would tell me they hear their, they, they still do, that they've could hear my voice in their head on the exam. And, um, you know, my classes now joke about it all the time. And, uh, now that I do the virtual class, there's still a lot of conversation about it. So the podcast, there's a point to this, stay with me. We, we're going to land the plane here for those <laughs> of you who've heard that story. Um, is the podcast, I guess, are going to become another way to have my voice in your head for real. And I know a lot of people now uh, listen to the videos when they're driving or they're out walking or whatever instead of watching them, not insulted at all. Uh, honored that you would think it's worth listening to. And I certainly hope these podcasts are a little mixture of fun. Um, educational and Kelly and I were talking before uh, that they make you think that's one of the things I I ask out of anyone who ever attends my presentations is I want you to go and think differently uh no matter what it is I'm talking about so uh Anyway, that's kind of some background on what's going on with this podcast, Sit in the Attendee's Chair. And for those of you who do not know where that name came from, I guess I just assume that anyone who's listening to me probably has been in a presentation with me before because why would anyone else listen? Uh, but I know that may not be true. Is Sit in the Attendee's Chair is, is a philosophy that I have created pretty much by accident over past number of years, and it started with a presentation I was doing maybe about mm, 14, 15 years ago for uh, an association of uh, association executives, and we were talking about how to create uh, meetings and improve the quality of the meetings, create more ROI, how to, you know, use meetings and events to retain members and recruit new members, and On some whim, I was like, it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I start drawing Maslow's hierarchy of needs on a flip chart, which, if you don't know, is one of my favorite things to do, is write on flip charts. So, um, anyway, it just kind of ended up evolving into, I think I must have said it one time about, you know, we need to plan meetings and events by sitting in the attendee's chair because things look really great in our cubicle or our home office or wherever we are, but what we really have to think is not how they appear to us or how they look on paper, but um, how will an attendee actually experience it? And I did create, well, I guess I created the first pyramid-looking one in, in 2015, showing what I think people are thinking and saying if they're at a particular level of maslow's hierarchy according to me medi- you know like applying it to meetings and events and then in the past couple years we recreated it uh it's actually a chair and it has it and you're more than welcome to email me at joanne at joannedenison.com if you don't have a copy of it there's also one posted uh on my linkedin profile that you can download and there may be one on the website uh meetguide.com. isn't that terrible i don't really know that answer but you definitely can get it on LinkedIn profile and you can always get it by emailing me too if you want to see um, what my thoughts are about what people are thinking or saying when they're at particular uh, levels of Maslow if they're attending your meeting and how to use that to plan better meetings. So that's why the podcast ended up being uh, named Sit in the Attendee's Chair. Uh, one of the things, ironically, the the topic I really wanted to talk about more today other than what I've already talked about has less to do with directly your attendees and more to do with you and your organization and and I guess it's also a little part of me some of you also know the other part of my business is called the guidance counselor for grown-ups and I do a lot of work with people who are um moving their career forward or changing their career or want to be recognized in their career, promoted, et cetera. And no matter which of my worlds I'm in, one of the things I talk about is you have to know your organization. You have to know and understand the organization you're working in. Or if it's a situation where you're maybe applying for new jobs or something like that, that you really know your organization. And um, what do I mean by that? so I'm going to obviously talk from the meeting and event planner point of view is that you know meeting planners talk a lot about how they're not recognized Uh, people don't understand what we do and I totally understand that they they see us as order takers like here I need this room this speaker this food This room set up, you know, or maybe they don't even know what room set up they want. They just want the room set up, et cetera. And you become an order taker. And it's very difficult to move ahead in your career if you are continually seen as an order taker. And this is true. This same philosophy can be applied to any position in the meetings, events, and hospitality, and even outside of meetings and events and hospitality as, as you move forward. It's the idea of... Um, meeting planners tend to be really comfortable actually staying amongst themselves. A lot of people, you'll read a lot about meeting planners and that are introverts. Uh, that's why they like being behind the scenes, behind the curtain, uh, don't really want to get up and speak in the mic, be on the stage, etc. But the reality is if you're going to move your career forward, you have to think beyond the meeting planning department. And that's what I mean by, uh, you know, knowing your organization. Uh, A few years ago, I I did a presentation at um, ESPA, one of the industry professional associations. And when I was talking about this, some of them named it Think Beyond the Desk because what I said is, You have to know what's going on behind your, uh, you know, beyond your cubicle, beyond your desk, like they said. So you need to understand what role you play in the meeting planning department, if there's a department other than you. Like, what is your role? But then you need to look beyond that, and that's where we usually stop. You need to understand what role your department plays in the organization. Now, obviously, it plans meetings. Got that, or it sells if you're in sales or whatever, But what you really need to understand is how is it perceived? How is it seen? How is it utilized in your organization? Is it done with respect? Is it done as a, you know, is it looked as just like, oh, a cost center, one of those necessary evils, like, well, we have to have a meeting planning department, but they don't actually produce anything. They don't bring in income. They don't bring in revenue into our organization. Or are they seen as a real strategic partner in the organization for moving things forward, uh, goals, etc. So you need to understand how your department is seen. And that's really important if you want to be seen differently that you understand this. Then beyond that, you need to understand your organization. And this is part of what will float down to how your organization and, I'm sorry, your department and you are seen. So do you know what makes your organization tick? And I don't mean the individuals, because those can change. But what has your organization said is important? What is the mission statement? What is the vision statement? Or the philosophy, or the credo, or what, I lump those all together, and I refer to them as value statements. What has your organization said, this is who we are, and this is what we stand by? And I know sometimes it can be frustrating, because you read them, on the company website or whatever. And I don't mean you should memorize them and be able to recite them. I know that has been a thing at times. Um, And of course, the companies that say that have one that's like six sentences long. But you need to understand what they've said is important because if you are planning meetings and events, every meeting and event you plan needs to strategically tie in with what those value statements say. And if they're not... One, there's tons of money being wasted, and two, you're not doing the job you could be doing. Because every time you plan, you should be able to connect those dots directly to those value statements. Show the strategy. Um, For some of you who have sat in classes with me or other presentations, you know that I believe every meeting and event needs to have very clear goals and objectives. And for example, the purpose of the meeting, which is what the goal is, the why, why are we having the meeting, is um, it's not, you know, you ask someone and they say, well, it's the annual meeting. That's why we're having it. No, 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 no. There, that is not a purpose for having a meeting. So if you understand what those value statements are, as you go to meetings, as you write emails, as you plan you can strategically think how do I create this meeting, an event to fit the goals and objectives of the meeting and the event, and the value statements and the purpose of the company or organization as a whole. That's when you start, in fact, if you um, if you listen to episode two, Kim was actually talking about this in there when she started, changing the way she looked at how meetings and events were together and started using language appropriately and uh, about strategy and ROI and uh, in her case, she was working for an association, you know, member recruitment, member retention. That is exactly what begins to happen is I have to heard this story over and over from planners who said, They were pulled to the side and said, I like the way you talk. I like the way you think. I hadn't thought of meetings like this. I want you at more of these meetings, like that infamous seat at the table. So you really, really do need to understand all of that leading up to the, you know, the value statements of the company. But then I'm also a big believer that you need to understand where your company fits in things. So, in its peer set, if you work for a pharma company or a medical device company or an insurance company or a finance company or an association or whatever it is, where does it fit in its peer set? Okay. Is it respected? Is it not respected? Who's your biggest competition? What differences have you made? What, if it's something that press would be your social media, you need to understand how your company is being perceived. In its field, in its industry. Um, it's very important because that's how your top leaders in your organization are thinking. So you need to think that way too. And then on top of that, I'm a big believer that you read the news every day. And I started doing this, I think by accident. I'm not really sure how it started. But what I realized is every day there is something in the news that pertains to, I don't care what field you're in even if you're not in meetings and events if you're something else there is stuff in the news every single day that's going to impact your job your organization your industry and to me it's really important that you pay attention to that because again that's what's going to make you shine and be more strategic and be more valuable in your organization is if you're able to say, well, I saw this was happening. And for example, if you're meeting planning, it might be something in the meetings and events industry that you see is going to impact you. Or it may be something in the finance industry and you work in a financial company. So it's really important. I don't mean you have to read long, long articles, but you need to be aware. You need to read the news through the idea of how's this going to impact me, how's this going to impact my organization, how's this going to impact my meetings and events, because it will change the way you think and view. It will help you stay at least a little bit sometimes ahead of the curve, and that's really important, especially when you're planning meetings that may be a month from now, six months, a year, five years from now. So knowing these things and I'm talking about more than trends I'm talking about odd things like oh pandemics but you know it doesn't even have to be as big as a worldwide pandemic to have a change it might be some little law changes or well little like it's not getting front page news but you realize oh my gosh that's going to impact us. So that's what the group meant, the ESPA group, meant by look beyond the desk. Um, that's the story I explained to them. And I have had people tell me that they did start paying for They started reading the news in a different way. Like it might be the same articles they would have read, but now they think, wow, how could this impact my job? How could this impact my organization? And um, it can make a world of difference as to the value you bring to your organization and therefore open more room for promotions and and things like that respect even stephen kelly any comments on that
1: you're absolutely right (laughs) i totally agree with that you have to know the organization you're working for or like how are you gonna basically do your job like the best you can like i totally agree so
0: like can you think of any examples of something that an organization might say this is important to us and how it would impact a meeting or event?
1: Um, maybe, j- like, their be- just their, their beliefs. Like, if they believe strongly about, hold on, <laughs> um, maybe, like, i trying to think of an example. <laughs> I don't really know on the spot. <laughs> yeah, like even, blank. like, environmental. Yes, like that if they're um maybe really big on um not using plastic and they probably don't want a bunch of like plastic cups and silverware and being used at their events and mm-hmm. if they do they probably want a bunch of recycling bins and just things that enhance what they believe
0: mm-hmm mm-hmm absolutely great great <laughs> uh great point there steve anything you want to add
2: what was the question <laughs> <laughs>
0: not really sure why he's here, but we'll just go with that. I just kind of tag along. (laughs) Tags along. Mm -hmm. Well, I know I'm surprised you didn't bring this one up. Uh Uh-oh.
2: What's that? Tax. Tax? Uh, At meetings and events? Anything.
0: Anything to do with tax and decisions that are made about tax and, you know, that might be in the news, how they could impact meetings. Like one of the ones you always tell is the – soda or pop or whatever you want to call it oh tax. yes
2: there were some municipalities that were uh, levied uh, another sometimes a penny or a penny and a half per ounce of carbonated beverages that were sold in at the state so that's c- it that's going to impact your meetings if you're you have a large meeting and you got big tubs of coke and pepsi out there for them to grab and go or even the pitchers on 87 tables in your grand ballroom, a uh, penny and a half per ounce doesn't sound like much, but if you have a week-long meeting and you're offering that, not at breakfast, maybe, well, there are people that do there drink it at breakfast. There are people who drink yeah. it at breakfast. Anyway, that's, that's a charge that you probably won't see um, listed because it'll be incorporated in, in the price. But,
0: but, you know, to your point, that means every gallon of soda, so that's uh, our carbonated beverage, How 120 many eight, ounces? 128 ounces in a gallon. Really? So that would be $1 $1.28. 128 plus 64, if it was a penny and a half. Yeah? Yeah. So you're looking at almost $2 more on a gallon? Uh, yeah, close to four each. And gallon. we don't normally order beverages like that at the gallon instead it's like coffee and things like that but like steve said you know you picture all those picture picture p-i-c-t-u-r-e uh of pictures p-i-t-c-h-e-r-s of carbonated beverages across all those tables in the ballroom and you know if um i'd say those pictures are probably half gallon maybe 64 inch uh, yeah probably about 64 so, you know, if there's 100 tables, that's 50 gallons. Oh, we're getting deep now. Fi- well, <laughs> 50 gallons at, you know, let's say $2 a piece, that, yeah, mm-hmm. that changes your finance. So... And, you know, sometimes it's harder to stay on. Like he said, those were municipalities. So you might want to somehow be paying attention to what's going on in geographical regions you're going to. And I think we need to do that for a lot of reasons, especially I think we've all seen that with the pandemic, too. Or
2: even sales tax on items that might be sold. And the other thing is, uh, come across my bowel lately, is uh, if you hire folks locally, the the minimum wage may be different wherever the event is as opposed to where you might be living or your association might be headquartered. Just a thought.
0: Yep. Good point. If you're, uh, you know, hiring directly on site help or s- which is not uncommon for registration tables. Yeah. And
2: what is mass now? 1350. I
0: think, I think it is. Not sure. Yeah, yeah. I think it's 1350 mm-hmm. now for 2021. I think mm-hmm. so. Um, But so, yeah, those are just some various thoughts about some various things. Um, uh, You know, I, I do really believe that one of the ways to move up in your career, to be seen with more respect, to earn promotions, to be able to, you know, when you're going for a job interview is you need to be thinking like this. So when they do, you know, we're always told with job interviews, make sure you do your research on your company that you're interviewing with, but you need to be it's not just read the mission and the vision statements and the value statements and everything. It's you being able to talk about them in an interview like this is how I see meetings and events uh upholding these, supporting these, strategically, you know, connecting to them. Um but you should be talking about it in the organization that you're in now too. And again, this, ad- this advice, recommendation, whatever you want to call it, it's not just media and event planners. It's any job you have. Um, that's, in my opinion, a huge way to create a stronger career path for yourself. So those are my thoughts on that for the day. Hopefully it's got you thinking and um, love to hear from you. If you have any suggestions for future podcasts, uh, you can email me at joanne at joannedenison.com. Uh, we are slowly evolving this and, and um, catching uh, some things, uh, you know, adding things. We're going to add uh, two segments, at least periodically, on it. Uh, one is um, On My Way to Becoming a Meeting and Event Planner, uh, which is basically... Most of us who are 35 or older have fallen into the organization, although we were talking on episode two about the fact that a lot of people saw uh, J-Lo and the wedding planner 20 years ago and went, oh, I want to do that. Um, but how many of us, uh, you know, did kind of a winding road to end up here Uh I started out as a college administrator, and I was in student life and was involved, obviously, in a lot of events. And I was as an undergrad and everything. And when I left higher education, I started my own media and event planning firm um, because I didn't know better, to be perfectly honest, And uh, before I moved on to education. But I've had people in my classes who are nurses and fashion designers and professional dancers, and we, we all – most of us did a winding road to get to where we are, and it's just kind of interesting to hear what what people have done. And the other one um, that uh, I want to incorporate in and in, uh, Kim was the one Kim Copperthwaite was the one who gave the suggestion is everything nobody tells you. So the things you learned after you're in the job or a job that you never would have thought of would um, would cross your path or things that you'd have to think of. And uh, I probably should have pre-thought of something I ran into like that, uh, but I don't have one for you today, but I'm sure I will. Um, One of the most interesting ones that I worked on was for um, three years. I worked with the New Jersey Festival of Ballooning, and uh, they were a client of mine, and I handled certain aspects, but... I knew nothing about, you know, putting on an event that large, a multi-day event, about dealing with the weather. Hot air balloons can only go up first thing in the morning or at sunset because of the heat, um, especially in July. Uh, Just all the things I learned that I never, never, ever, ever would have thought of um, that you learn as you go as you're working on events. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're not so good and sometimes they're just what they are
2: and and you never took a hot air balloon ride
0: no i didn't Mm. it wasn't uh, it was one of these things where i think the first year i was too scared and by the third year i was too busy that Mm. type of thing and plus you never knew if they were really going to go up or not Mm -hmm. because obviously they sold them the rides to people so it was a matter of you know would a balloon be empty and available but it was still a very, very interesting thing to learn about. So uh, we dealt a lot with the um, pilots for the balloons because we arranged their housing. So, uh, yeah, the Mr. Peanut balloon and the, oh, there were all kinds of interesting special balloons that we dealt with. But anyway, so again, hope this was educational, entertaining, made you think. Yeah. Um, I appreciate you tuning in for episode three and uh, look forward to seeing you on episode four. And again, this is a work in progress. We're evolving. We're, you know, trying new things, uh, sometimes with guests, sometimes not with guests. And but whatever it is, I hope it ends up uh, being a good thing for your time. Thanks so much. Look forward to seeing you on episode four. This is Joanne. Have a good day.